Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. Hey, what's going on? Coach Lucas back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. And today I have another guest that I have been a, uh, I would say, learning from and a fan of for a long time. Um, so it's, it's interesting that we we catch up now in this format, in this fashion, but, but I'm very, very excited about it. Uh, Jay Tatum, man, it's so great to have you on the show. Um, so many things that I want to talk to you about. Luca, hey, man, it's, uh, the feeling is mutual. Just love your stuff. Love the work you do. So happy to be here, brother. Man, this is, uh, you know, right when we had a conversation before starting this, I, I love you. you said, man, I got a lot to say about this. I'm like, yes, this is, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> Exactly what I was hoping for. I, I know that you do. And, um, and one of the things that I, that I mentioned too is like that, you know, you, I, I love your philosophies around, I honestly like life and, and mindset. And then of course, too, like the health part of it. And that, that's kind of what I wanted to dig in is, is look at the principles of really being kind of like digging in on the principles of how do we help ourselves and obviously others live their best life, but, kind of, but put them into somewhat of a compartments. And, you know, even on, uh, like the things like the work that you've done, you've kind of split it up into mind, muscle, metabolism. But I, I wanted to start with, with mind. And I love, the, I love the six powers that, you know, you've talked about and, and go deep in on. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to start there. And like I said, where, where the conversation takes us, it'll take us. I definitely want to, I definitely want to uh, also dig in on the, the side of health and how do people become the, I, to, for me, I, I call it just the athlete of life, you know, mm. how they're able to, function and do as much as possible whatever that means you know for for the person but what you know what you feel build, builds the athlete of life but i but i want to start with mindset because mindset is such a big um component of that and have you kind of diving into those six powers and how you how you got to that like how did you go okay these are the six powers and this is what i feel is uh so important in helping people people develop their mindset yeah, man, you know, I love this, that this is the place where you want to start because um, it's probably the reason you and I vibe, man. I, I am the same way. I, I've, I, I work off principles, and part of the reason I work off principles and frameworks is because I made a mess when I was young. You know what I mean? I, I, I was making messes. I was cleaning them up. I was making, fa you know, failing you know, in the biggest fashions possible, you know, failed in my, in my marriage, uh, went, almost went bankrupt a couple times. I was doing, you know, things that, um, you know, were teaching me these lessons that were hard, hard lessons. And along the way, you start getting these big ideas. You're just like, okay, here, here's one big idea. And, you know, so, uh, oh, and here's another, you know, sort of big idea. And when I say big ideas, like you just alluded to it. To me, a big idea is an idea that basically goes, okay, this isn't just true for uh, my professional life. It's actually true in my personal life. Oh, and guess what? It's actually true in my, in training too, right? And you start seeing these concepts where you're like, wait a second, that's really interesting. This principle can apply in a lot of different ways. And then you start leaning on that principle. Now, here's the interesting thing about principles though, that I love is that unlike a lot of things, you know, when I think of a principle, like a truth, let's call it, a lot of things fit into that bucket, which is one of the reasons why a lot, a lot of us teachers, you know, um, we teach in frameworks and we teach in, you know, sort of these big bucket truths, which I would refer to as sort of your principles. And so as I was going along, one of the things that I 
was working on was this idea of success. And I think a lot of us, you know, I'm like one of these people who is, I'm a very achievement oriented person. And like you, I'm trying to learn all of the time, but more importantly, I'm also one of these people who's, I have a work ethic and I like to work and I like to get things done. And maybe the downside of me is that um, I'm not somebody who's very detail oriented until I make a big, big mistake. And then I'm like, where did I go wrong? Then I have to go back and look at the details. And these sort of principles emerged for me. And the way I like to teach is, and, and it's mainly because um, for me, the way my brain is, because I'm not sort of detail oriented, I need things to anchor myself back to sort of big ideas. And so one of the things that I found going along, and I'd be interested to see what you think about this as well, but what I found is there's a lot of people talking about success in whatever realm you're looking at. I mean, I, I read psychology, philosophy all day. I'm heavy into, you know, strength and conditioning. I obviously am, uh, you know, sort of a, a naturopathic physician and, you know, health and fitness, natural medicine is a big thing. And one of the things that I found in all three of those areas is that I was sort of in this position where I was like, you know, I'm reading all these books and I'm getting bits and pieces here, but man, I really wish someone would like have a roadmap. Like I wish they would just give me a map that says, these are the different areas that you need to master. And because I didn't feel like that was out there in a way that spoke to me, I kind of put it together myself as I was moving along. And that's what these sort of six powers that you're alluding to are. But one, one of the things that's interesting, Luca, is that not only, this is what's so interesting about principles, not only are these six powers sort of um, uh, a, you know, it's sort of like a success map, but they also turned out to be, I, when I went through some of my stuff, right around the same time of uh, my marriage breaking up and bankruptcy and all that, we all have our pain stories. So mine was nothing new and nothing special. But right around that time, I decided, hey, listen, I want to live my life sort of a better way. Um, I had this crazy idea to come up with an honor code. And part of that was me reading a lots of philosophy and realizing that these honor based cultures, you know, how do you, how do you get like, you know, a Spartan who basically is like his whole his whole world is built around being a warrior and he's not afraid of death because his whole world is built around that. Like, how do you develop these sort of honor code principles? And so I basically said, you know, I'm going to come up with an honor code in a way of which I'm going to live my life. And I kind of, as I began to work on that honor code and this success principle sort of framework of trying to build my business and see what matters in success, the two kind of merged. And so really what I'm going to share with these six powers is, um, it's both my personal honor code. I have it tattooed on my body. That's how important it is to me. But it also, I think, is a success map. I'll just go quickly into the, the, the six of these, and then you can you know, sort of guide me where you want to go if you have any sort of thoughts on this. But I like to teach in acronyms, and this one actually has a pretty cool acronym. It worked out pretty well. So the six powers actually go by the acronym POWERS, P-O-W-E-R-S. And they basically are perception is the first power. Perception meaning the way you think about the world. Like one of the things psychology research tells us is that it's not intellect necessarily that determines our success, but most importantly, and it's not social IQ either, and it's not emotional intelligence. What it is is your ability to take fear, failure, and turn it into learning and sort of uh, growth from that. And that's all about perception. So to me, perception is the first thing you master. The next thing is ownership. The O is ownership. And that means that what happens to me 
You know, it doesn't matter if I'm walking down the street and Luca runs up and steals something from me. It's my responsibility to deal with that. If, if I get injured, even if it's someone else's fault, I'm the one that has to deal with the ramifications. So we all know there's a book out there, some of you may have read, called Extreme Ownership. This speaks to that, that if it's in my realm of awareness, then it's mine to deal with, and I have to own it and deal with it. The next one is wisdom. And Luke and I were just talking about this before we jumped on the call with all of you. Wisdom to me is this idea that I know I know nothing. And that if I'm ever going to learn, I'm going to have to be humble and put my status needs aside for my learning needs. And by the way, if anyone who wants to achieve anything in health, in fitness, in sport, in medicine, in relationship, there's going to be a lot you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to learn from other people. You know, no one can, you know, know everything. And so wisdom is crucial. The next three, I think, are perhaps the most important. Engagement which basically means you don't leap and, you know, uh, the net will appear. You leap and weave the net as you fall. You take action as a default. You make choices as a default. You don't sit around and wait for things to happen. You take action and you figure it out as you go. So in business, there's a principle of fire, then aim. So the engagement principle is engage, make choices, take action. Resolve is the next one, and resolve is basically this idea that, listen, shit's going to happen to you. You're going to get beat up. Uh, there's going to be fear. There's going to be failure. Uh, life does not turn out the way we want it to, right? And, you know, just like you were talking about before, we have a huge pattern interrupt right now with, you know, as we're talking, for those of you listening, Luke and I are talking right now with the coronavirus is going on right now as we're recording this. Nothing, you know, this thing is like something we all have to deal with that you can't plan for. If you're going to be successful, you're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to get up. You're going to have to get hit, get knocked down, stand back up. That's the resolve. And the last one, I think, Luca's the most important one. And, and then I'll see where you want to go with this. But the last one, the S, is sharing. And this speaks to the idea that as you work through perception and ownership and wisdom and attack life and go through your, your hurts and your pain and your suffering, what ends up happening is you are going to learn lessons at that point. And to me, the degree to which you take those lessons and keep them to yourself or the degree to which you share them with other people makes all the difference in whether or not you will be a fulfilled human and have purpose in your life. And so to me, I have this sort of idea, what if... What if we are all playing a game, just like back in the day, Super Mario Brothers, right? You get up and you run up to this dragon at the end of a level, and you got to come up with the right combination of fireballs and jumps and spins and whatever to beat this particular dragon. And then this is like an analogy for life where you turn back around and say, hey, listen, I figured this out in a sense. I figured out this sort of pain, how to deal with this. I can help you deal with it better. I can show you how to shoot the fireballs, do the spins, and do the thing. And that, to me, is how we humans evolve as team human. It's part of the reason you and I do this work. And so, to me, when you put all these together, these are the principles that I try to live my life by, and they seem to fit in all aspects of life. And so, I'll shut up there and kind of see your thoughts on that and see where you want to take this discussion. I mean, first of all, uh, this is great. It a lot to unpack. Now, for, for, first thing that comes to mind, because there's, there, there's questions I want to ask you, actually, that pertain to not only those, but for others that are listening to this and about how they develop possibly their own. And, and, and we'll dig into that. But to me, like when I look at those, that's not only the six powers, it's what develops personal power. 
And I'd say that in life, I mean, that's kind of the goal, right? Is develop personal power, not in a sense of power over others and, you know, money and status and all these other things, but personal power as in we're powerful and being able to do all, you know, have the, the right perception, the ownership, uh, you know, wisdom through lessons, whether it's good or bad uh, and taking action, you know, s struggling through things and, and then bestowing it on others, like all these lessons that we have. Now, first of all, I'd want to ask this, right? Because I have this mentality of the chef, you know, the cook and the chef mentality. And when somebody reads those and, you know, if, if, if you went to somebody and said, hey, what are your, you know, um, what are your, I would say, principles? Most people would be like, uh, they'd have to like either really think about it. They'd probably have to make them up. They, you know, it's, it's not like right on the spot, you pull out a paper and go like, here's, you know, and, and you have obviously the dopest acronym right there too with powers. <laughs> and so, so for me, I know in, in, in earlier in life when I was doing a lot of dumb shit and, you know, was trying to change my life, I would read something or follow somebody and go like, okay, I'm going to stick to this, right? This is my cookbook. So, you know, Jade's created a cookbook and I'm going to follow this to change myself because he's figured it out, right? Like, I mean, you've had your struggles, you've had things that you overcame and succeeded in. And now I'm going to follow this cookbook to do it. Now, at a certain point in time, as you kind of master the cookbook and you do live that, you hopefully, you know, become a chef and you kind of start like looking back at your life and saying like, oh, well, here's my principles. Now, maybe they're the same, but what's your thoughts on that? Because I've, you know, one of the things that I I'm, uh, sometimes get upset at myself about is to not have written more things out in principle fashion, you know, as I was going through my life. I am more now and, you know, same thing, writing a book and all this stuff. And, but, you know, it, it took a while. And, you know, first of all, what was that something that you did right with the six powers like they were just coming to you as time went by and what do you think about people creating their own principles that they live by should everybody do that or is it fine to just live your life by the cookbook yeah no you know I, wow I, I love this whole discussion because from my perspective i have a couple things i'll say here is that you know um luca is unique from all of us right you have unique uh you know, sort of things that happen to you. And I'll give you sort of another framework here. And I'm unique and everyone listening is unique. And so the first thing you need to understand, um, and all of us humans sort of need to understand, I think, is that the degree to which we can um, tap into the, the unique gifts that were given to us. And I'll tell you what those are, by the way, anyone who's listening, if you, if you write these down, I'm going to give you another framework to, to sort of develop your own powers. Because the short answer to your question is, this is unique. So you can use something, and I do think we all need something as a crutch for a short period of time, just like you talked about, the cook in the kitchen. They, they, when they first learn to bake, they are using Luca's recipes, right? They are kind of saying, all right, I'm just going to, Luca's figured this out, Jade's figured this out, I will use their recipes. But as you evolve as a human, if you're going to share your unique spiritual fingerprint with the world, you have to develop your own. But at first, yes, you can learn, and that's the whole point, right? Part of that sharing, that last principle, is that when Luca and I share our stuff that we've hard earned, 
What you do is you come along on top of that. Maybe you copy it for a while, but then you add your sprinkles on top. And then Luke and I get to turn around and be like, wow, look what they did. And then we get to learn from you. And then maybe we'll add some more sprinkles. And then all of us start to evolve together. And this, to me, is what humanity has done. Being a next level human is realizing it's not about you necessarily. It's about making a small contribution that may or may not be recognized ever, but that you are furthering the evolution of team human. And to do that, what you need to do is you need to look at the idea that you have, and I call these, I'm always working from acronyms and frameworks. I call these the P's, right? They are to me the five P's of purpose. And here's what they are. The five P's of your purpose. And by the way, once you get to sharing, that sharing and you are teaching from that place, you are living your purpose at that point. And it does take time to get there but it is made up of your people. And by your people, what I mean is that Luca and me, right? We have different upbringings, mother, father. Maybe they were there, maybe they weren't. Maybe they were kind, maybe they weren't. Maybe they were dysfunctional, maybe they were healthy. Brothers, sisters, perhaps, maybe not. Teachers, all these people, the good and the bad, right? Everything, they come, they make up how we see ourselves. They, they become a part of our seed stories. And to me, seed story is sort of like this idea of like the, the stories that we live out without even knowing that we're planted as kids subconsciously. So there's our people and we need to own them good and bad and think about how have they informed me and where do I want to go with that? And then there's our passions, you know, Luca and I share the passion of fitness, right? So it's one of ours, but we also have other passions, our interests, things that we are interested in and that we love. There's our superpowers, the things that we're talented talented at things like um you know for me i didn't know this luca but i found out i was a, a decent communicator you know what i mean i found out and I'm, I'm a super strong dude in the gym i can't run a 5k but i could certainly lift the hell out of some weight there's certain things i'm good at and certain things i'm not my perceptions i have a unique way of thinking about and expressing myself and then finally my pain and this to me is the big one because most people like putting your hand on a hot stove don't want to touch the stove. They don't want to revisit it. They have their pain and they ignore it. Their mother hurt them. Their father hurt them. Their brother hurt them. Their significant other hurt them. They were betrayed. They were rejected. They had illness, all these things. And they don't realize that perhaps that is the Super Mario dragon that you need, that you beat, that you need to share the trick to help you get over that. And so to me, that's how you start. It's very much like, yes, you can borrow Luca and my sort of principles at first, but then you have to take your unique contribution, your people, your passions, your perceptions, your pain, right? And your superpowers. And you have to see that those make up your unique spiritual fingerprint, the unique way that you'll show up in the world. So maybe me and Luca teach because that's sort of where we've come to. But maybe you um, write a book or maybe you just deal with people one-on-one -on -one, or maybe you do something completely different with it. But the point is you take those unique attributes of your life. You basically infuse them into this my principles or Lucas principles or someone else's. And in the end, you come out with your unique contribution. And then you will write a book perhaps, or you will do something with that. And by the way, when I say share, which is to me synonymous with love as a next level human, that whole idea to me, there's three imperatives to learn, to teach, and to love. Love can sound a little woo woo, but all it means is share and share what? Share your creative contribution. 
in a way that is, uh, that basically in a way that is not like, hey, look at me, in a way that's like, this is for my, uh, you know, sort of people, for team human. One of the tattoos I have on my body says relinquum amor, and it's Latin for leave your love. And that's the share principle. It basically says, Jade, when you create these things, it's not for you to be acknowledged or it's not for you to be reciprocated. It's simply for you to make your contribution in the world. And no one else needs to know you did it but you. And this to me is an important sort of uh, idea here is that, yes, we can borrow it for a time, but in the end, everybody has to have their unique sort of spin on this. And so I don't know if that sort of answers the kind of question, but I will say one final thing about this, because I do think it's important. Many people, when they first hear this kind of talk from people like you and me, they'll go, oh, I have an honor code, or I have principles I work from. You know, it's my religion or something like that. And not banging on religion or anyone's belief, that's great. But that, again, is a borrowed honor code, right? So yes, have that, but we each need our own. We each need our own honor code. So when you say principles, you, another you know, sort of way of saying that in my mind is my code of conduct, my honor code, uh, my way of showing up in the world, my values, et cetera. And we each need our, our own, in my opinion. I'm, I'm so on the same page with you about that. And I mean, w when you look back and whether it's the Stoics or whether it was Jesus, whether it was you know, the, the Dalai Lama, whoever it was, to me, I always thought about that and said, well, you know, these are people that ended up essentially writing out their revelations and principles and insights. And when you talk to others, they talk about these, you know, principles and revelations that are phenomenal, right? Like that we've learned from and, and took, took the insights from. But what stops us from, you know, I always tell others, I said, I said well, your insights and revelations are important. They're yours right? Why don't you write them down? And you don't have to write them down to sell them or, you know, maybe they won't stand Epictetus' stand, you know, test of time and somebody will be reading them 3,000 years from now, but, it, but that doesn't matter, right? Because they're for, for you. And, and that's one of the things now that I, you know, really try to do more of, which is extract the wisdoms of whether it's, you know, great things that have happened or, you know, horrible things and struggles that have happened and obstacles that come my way. But then, what am I learning here, right? And what are you learning here? That's your revelation. And I feel like more people should write them down. And I think that that's also what helps you develop your own principles and your honor code and everything else around it. So that's kind of always been my perspective around that. Now, when, when you, I mean, I love the acronyms, first of all, because it organizes things, it helps you remember them. It right, it's, it's just makes things a lot easier. And there's two, when you were talking about it, there's two that I really wanted to focus on um, for a number of reasons. I think partly because of the time we're in. And secondly, it's just something that I'm so intrigued in. And, and those two, and I kind of want to go in this order. Number one is pain. Um, and then the second one is the people and, and kind of also the piggyback back on the people you've, uh, you have a book that's called Next Level Tribe. And, and I wanted to kind of connect those two a little bit, but on the pain side of things, you know why? Like, I'm sure every single day we, we talk to people, we get messages from people that share, you know, I, I share a lot of my stories. So people kind of reciprocate and share theirs and say that they've, they found themselves in my story. But some people have a very hard time getting over the pain of their past. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing, you know, I've, I've been in organized crime. I've been divorced. I grew up in, you know, communism, socialism, 
in Yugoslavia before the war, went through war. So, I mean, everybody's got their own story, right? And the, but being stuck in pain and not moving forward, I think, is a challenge for many, right? Where today they're still kind of living in something that happened and it's controlling them in almost like a undercurrent, right? Still guiding their life in a certain direction. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of dive into that and your thoughts and how you've helped and maybe even whether it's yourself or others overcome that pain and use that pain to actually be a catalyst for something greater. Yeah, I love, I love this, Luca. And, you know, it's uh, he, the short answer is uh, it's not mine and it's a principle that anyone's read philosophy or psychology will recognize, but it basically the short answer to this, and I'll expand on a little bit more, goes like this. If you have pain, the fastest way to heal that pain is to look for that pain and heal that pain in others. In other words, the fastest way to heal your own pain is to teach your lessons. It's the share principle again. So in my mind, pain is a path to purpose. And if you avoid your pain because you're embarrassed about it, or uh, you, you are scared of it, or you are stuck in the blame and complain game, this is the reason why you can't find purpose. My way of thinking about it is pain, right? We all have it. One thing I know about Luca, so we just heard a little bit about Luca's story. If you sat down and talked to me about my story, one, and I sat, and me and Luca sat across from all of you and tried to listen to your story, you know what we would all be most interested in? We would be most interested in the other person's story of pain, and most importantly, your redemption story. Humans love, 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 love the redemption story. We celebrate anyone with a redemption story is a hero to us. Anybody though who's had pain, who then passes that pain on to others and doesn't try to heal that pain in others is considered, we pity them. And uh, we see them as sort of victims and cruel. And I would say, Luca, and this is where uh, I, it would be an interesting thought, but I would ask yourself, everyone on the line, who's listening to this, you know, ask yourself, where do you come from in that? Do I pass my pain on? Do I avoid my pain? Or do I use my pain as a path to purpose? Now, here's the first step in this, in my sort of thought process. I got an army helicopter going over me, so I'm going to let it pass real quick. But here, here to me is the first step. And I use, a little, I use a little funny anecdote, so you'll have to bear with me here. But imagine, imagine Luca and I, are, we're all hanging out in the kitchen, even you, but Luca and I are sitting there and we're cutting vegetables, right? And I cut my thumb, slice it, right? Now, this is a physical injury. With a physical injury, I know exactly what to do. In, in fact, it'll be instinctual, instinctive. I will basically cover my thumb, ow, right? I'll cover it, squeeze it, then I will tentatively look at it and try to see how bad is it bleeding, do I need stitches, to what extent did I just damage my thumb, right? And then from there, I will clean the wound, I will get it bandaged or get it stitched up, whatever I need to do. And then for the next week or so, I'm going to be gingerly caring with my thumb. Maybe I'll put antibiotic ointment on it. I'll take care of it. I will, uh, you know, be in a healing process with it. And then as a result of cutting my thumb, I will do a couple things if I'm smart. Next time I cut vegetables, I'll be more careful. I'll be more aware. I will 
heed that lesson. Or maybe I go up on YouTube and Google and search knife skills, how to cut vegetables more appropriately, right? You know, I do that. So that's the natural way that we handle physical pain and everyone's going, no duh, Jade. But let me talk to you about the way we handle emotional pain. Now, let's use that an example of emotional pain. Here's the way we do this. I cut my thumb and instead of covering it, I look over at Luca, shove my thumb in Luca's face and say, ow, ow, ow. And I'm just screaming at Luca to do something with my thumb. And of course, Luca's looking at me like, what the hell's wrong with you, man? You cut your thumb, do something about it, right? Instead, I'm just shut. And then I run up to you all and start shoving my thumb in your face, screaming ow angrily. This is one way that some people handle their pain. It's the blame and complain game. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to keep blaming it on someone else and expect someone else to fix it. Here's another way. I cut my thumb, and instead of covering it and doing all the things that I should be doing, I just sit there, stare at it. It's bleeding all over the place, and I just sit there and cry and whine. You know, oh, I cut, I cut my thumb, you know, and I'm not doing anything with blood pouring all over me. This, to me, is sort of this whimper and whine and wallow thing that some people get in. And then the third way we handle emotional pain is I cut my thumb and I go, huh, I cut my thumb and I stick my hand behind my back and don't even look at it again and just decide I'm not going to use that hand. Meanwhile, Luca's looking at me being like, dude, you cut your hand, man. It's bleeding all over the place behind your back. Yet I'm pretending I don't need my hand. It's not bleeding. No big deal. And I just avoid it. This is literally what we do with emotional pain. Now, if we are going to use this pain to get to purpose, right, what we are going to do is we are going to look at it. We are going to cover it. We are going to heal it. We are going to stay with it and pay attention with it. And we're going to try to learn the lessons and become better at cutting vegetables. Now, even if Luca reaches over, he, we're both cutting vegetables and he, he's the one that reaches over and cuts my finger. I don't even do it. Guess what? I still have to be the one to mend it. And people lose their entire lives blaming, complaining, wallowing, and whining, hiding, and avoiding from their pain. And to me, this is the reason why so many people don't get it. Something about your journey, Luca, obviously, and, and I'll just come out and ask you, like, what makes you so productive having gone through the shit that you've gone through? Like, how did you, how did you deal with that? Like, I'm curious because I can almost bet that maybe you spent time blaming, complaining, wallowing, and whining, but I guarantee at some point you picked up the pieces and said, this is mine to deal with, the ownership principle. And that is what made all the difference. Yeah, it's actually, uh, it started off for me, the, the work ethic came from, uh, you know, seeking significance. You know, like, hey, look at me. You know, I'm the, I was the youngest in the family. Uh, when we moved to, we went from Yugoslavia to London to when I came back, my dad stayed in London. So it was always, you know, I was the short kid trying to play ball. It was always a status and significance thing. Now, mm -hmm. here's the thing that did some good things. It, it built a work ethic. It also built some bad things, right? Where if you're constantly seeking status and significance, you're going to also fuck up a lot of stuff, right? And hey, I raised my hand here, you know, that went into the wrong, you know, got, got into crime. Uh, it's also what kind of, I would say, part of what I destroyed my marriage. Now, there, you know, in that situation there, I did wallow a little bit until I didn't look in the mirror and go like, okay, well, you know, you messed up. What are you going to do? What's the lesson you're learning? And th those are the things that you have to reveal. And the other thing too was, I mean, your analogy is so good. I'm, it's almost like we planned out ask this question, but you were just so <laughs> on point answering it seriously. But it, it was, 
you know, for a while I was hiding that finger, right? I was, I was definitely hiding that finger until I, I didn't actually acknowledge it and even share it with others and get, you know, get persecuted, you know, which is part of it, but that's, that's not on you, right? I mean, it's like, hey, listen, sh share the truth. Uh, and I had to deal with the truth, but I was, that was the way that I was able to overcome it as well. Right. Because it's, it's like, um, you know, Debbie Ford has this great example. It's like when you lie, uh, not just to others, I think to yourself, you know, but what ends up happening, it's like, if I gave you an orange Jade and I was like, listen, I want you to hide that orange from me all day long. You can't show it to anybody. Right. What ends up happening is, you, you know, you put it in your pocket and you're like, shit, does everybody see the, the, the bulge where I put it behind my shirt? Like you actually subconsciously know you're hiding stuff and you can't live your normal life, you know, and, and the more you lie, the more oranges you have to conceal. And it becomes a very, very stressful way of living 24 uh, seven. You know, and, and for me, part of that was, and, and, and I think this kind of plays into the pain was like, hey, here's, you know, he, here's what I've, what I've done. These are the things that I've gone through. Here's how I messed up. You know, here's the lessons that I learned and here's the things that I'm doing now so they don't repeat themselves and improving. Right. But I had to I had to kind of st stop hiding the oranges and, you know, stop hiding that finger that was bleeding behind my back to be able to, uh, I would say, move forward. I think that I think that was a big lesson for me and kind of kind of how significance led into a good thing that led into a bad thing that led into a good thing. Right? Uh, I, I love it, man. I love that whole story. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of this goes to your people thing, right? It's basically like this. It's like, if we're listening to Luca's story, at some point, he had to own everything. But owning it internally is actually not enough. There's something about our life that means we have to own it to others too. And actually the psychologist Adler, you know, there's Freud and Young, and a lot of people don't know Adler, but he was the third one. He has a great saying that says, we must as humans have the courage to be disliked. And in that process of having courage to be disliked, we will find ourselves in a sense. And so what happened with the people is once you put it out there, you're going to have you're, you're a status of significance guy. Me too, by the way. I think a lot of men are, you know, um, a little, maybe a little bit more than sort of uh, women. And once you put it out there, what happens is you immediately vet your surroundings. You're going to have people that go, Luca's not for me. Jade's not for me. But you're also going to have people that go, oh, my God, I love this dude. I can learn something from him. So can we all see that when we own our pain, it's the first step to purpose because we all of a sudden turn on the light bulb for people to see us. Now, some people aren't going to need the lessons that we're teaching. <clears throat> Others, though, are very much going to need it. And if we don't turn on that light for us first, they can't recognize us. Therefore, purpose continues to elude us. Now, and here's the other thing, too, about this. Let's go back to the analogy of the Super Mario game and this video game you're playing. You ever notice how when you die, typically, in one of these games, you got to go all the way back to the beginning, right? Now, the, those levels are easier to pass, but you still have to deal with some of the same stuff. So just because Luca brings up, you know, okay, I was involved in crime. I was doing this stuff or that stuff doesn't mean that life won't say, okay, Luca, I'm going to challenge you here. I'm going to see this. It doesn't mean the status and significant needs go away. He still has to practice that. He still has to get through that level. Now he's skilled at that level, so he gets through it much more quickly. And in this sense, easy is earned in life in the same way it's earned in training, in the same way it's earned in everything. You earn your easy. And so, of course, life is going to say, it's almost like life challenges us. It says, okay, Luca, okay, Jade, okay, you, you think you figured it out. Good for you. Now go back to, you know, go back to level one.
And by the way, uh, you get through level one, right? As you, as we're going through life, you're going to run into different challenges again. And if you've leveled up as a human, hopefully they're going to be different challenges. So, you know, now maybe it's about mastering money or mastering success or learning to share in a way that doesn't require acknowledgement and reciprocation, but you know, we're human. So can we ever fully get, you know, rid of that? And then one day you end up, and here's an interesting thought, Luke, and I'll see what you think about this. Then one day you do end up as one of these people. And I would say you're in this boat, Luca, because a lot of people just so respect and admire you in this way. It's, it's important for us humans to tell other humans that because Luca's in his world, so he doesn't see the impact he's making as much because he's in his own body. So we do need to say that. But one of the things happens is then one day as you're walking through this process, you wake up and people are looking at you as the inspirational teaching figure, like the Buddha or like, you know, Gandhi or like one of these people. Now today, in today's day and age, there's so many of us who are teachers now. Back then there were just a few of them. And one of the thoughts that I love, man, is I love the idea of what if, you know, this whole idea that so many people are teaching, so many people are becoming enlightened that there may never be any, another person like a Gandhi or something like that, or they will be few and far between. And the reason why is because they're not needed to the same degree because so many other people are now elevating at a level where humanity as a whole is upgrading so fast because there's so many enlightened humans that you don't, that, you know, there's, there's a million Jesuses now in a sense, you know, and, you know, there's a million Buddhas now, like there's so many people who have this enlightenment and I love that idea, which is one of the reasons why, as I've got over my status need and my significance need, not completely by the way, because I'm human, but as I've you know, said, you know what, Jade, it's not about you, man. What I've start to love is I love seeing everyone do their stuff. Like I love seeing Luca teach, right? Like I just love seeing it. I love other, seeing other people teach. Uh, it, it inspires me because I go, wow, we are becoming a community, a team, team human of sharing. There are so many people that are doing the relinquum amor principle, sharing, leaving their love, like putting out their power and their purpose and letting the people who want to hear that absorb it and use it and become better humans and not getting too caught up for the people who, who aren't. Like when we think about our people, remember, you, you're vetting everybody and they're vetting you. So if you show up as your authentic self and just, you know, to use Luca's analogy, here's my orange, dude. Like here it is right here, right here for you to look at. You don't like oranges, no problem, no harm, no foul. See you later. Oh, you do love oranges. Well, cool. Maybe me and you can hang and learn from each other. This is the way life works and your ability to say, you know what, I do, I would love to, you know, cause think about this. This is one of the things that really gets us humans. When you want someone in your life, and they don't want you. That kind of rejection, that kind of betrayal, those kinds of things are deeply wounding to us. But one of the things you'll learn is that this is the way life primes us towards purpose. So as difficult as it is, if you look deeply into that, you'll see that all of this is just a vetting strategy for me to get to the end. And I like to think about the gamification of life in a sense. I'm like, what if I am in just a big Super Mario game? You know, and it's really about just leveling up as, as Jade and being the best human I can be. So by the time I get to my deathbed, I feel fulfilled, like I made a difference, right? Like, like that I mattered, that even if it was just that one person I helped that one time, you know, what else is there? So that's the way I kind of see that. We have to own all of these things, your pain and your people. These two things are, 
people are practiced. You've probably heard that before, and they will be some of the deepest sources of our pain. But as such, they're also some of the deepest sources of our growth. There's so many good points there. Actually, I, I really love that you said, I, you know, here's the difference that there's so many teachers now. There's so many more enlightened people. And I, I agree with you on that completely because some people might disagree and be like, oh, why are you comparing? And it's like, well, first of all, it's needed. We, we need more people like that to teach. I mean, that's, that's how we grow as, like I said, as, as team human. Uh, so I, I really, and that's why I, I think it's great to encourage people to share their story, to help others, to share their wisdom and become teachers. You know, it's, it's almost like, obviously, uh, first you lead yourself and then you lead others. I think that that's, that's a great point. And hopefully there's somebody that listens and pokes you to, you know, step forward and start doing that. The second, I don't know where you heard, like the, the analogy of the Mario Brothers game, Man, I, I can't remember where I first heard that, but I think somebody mentioned it to me. And what was so crazy, so I was, this, this is two Christmases ago, I was home um, in Slovenia. And I was playing, uh, I haven't played video games in a long time, but I was playing, uh, what was it, uh, Call of Duty with, with my nephew. And we're, we're running around and stuff, right? And he keeps running off where all the explosions are going off and all the bad guys are. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? And he goes, he goes uncle, like that's where all the, the fun is at. <laughs> right where all the things are happening and so the thing is and I, what do you mean it was like well man like if i go there i'm gonna shoot people and i'm gonna get better at this game and i was like i had to pause because i was like oh man isn't shit this isn't this a life lesson right what a wise like, kid in a sense oh, right yeah, yeah. i'm just like sitting there going like this dude you know i just said because he's like why are you pausing the game i said like, give me a second and, <laughs> and, but it was it, it was this whole analogy of like you know when we face challenge, and, and right now a lot of us are facing challenges, whether it's with business, personal uh, challenges. I mean, it's an unprecedented time, but the, the, you think about it. Would you ever play a game where if I just told you, say, hey, RJ, take this controller, all you got to do is just press forward and you know, press the green button a couple of times and you'll finish the game. You'd be like, no, nah, fuck, like, that's a boring ass game. I'm not going to play that game, right? There's no challenge in that game. And that's what my nephew kind of taught. He's like, man, I'm going here because it's going to make me better. Right. And, and it's if I think that the purpose of life is to get as good as you possibly can at playing the game of life. And, and the thing is about the game of life is there's unlimited bosses and you got to, you know, you, same thing in a game. You're not going to get to a boss, get beat and then quit the game. You're like, man, I gotta, I gotta go back and figure out the different combinations to give this dude the ninja kick of death, right? And then you beat the boss, and then on the next level you get stuff. In the game, it's like I don't know another life or a bazooka or a shield or something. But in life, you get, I, I think you build personal power, you build wisdom, you build more confidence, you build whatever else it may be. And so, like when you you know bring up the Mario Brothers game, I think about this whole analogy, and I've I've shared it before with people. It's like, man. You, would, you wouldn't go and play a game that had no challenges because the game would suck to you. Yep. But in life, somehow, because of our previous pain and you know, rejection and embarrassment and, and persecution, we avoid the bosses and then we stay on the same level forever or maybe even go back and play another level that's easy because it makes us feel comfortable and then we never progress. So it's just when you were saying that, like that just popped into my head uh, as far as like, I hope that that analogy... Um, I guess I hope that that analogy like spurs somebody to go like, oh shit, I got to face the bosses in my life and stop 
playing on his easy ass levels, you know? <laughs> uh, dude, I love it. It's so, it's so, the way you phrase that, so genius. And here's, here's a, to get, to make it very practical for people, think about this, to use, to use the analogy, you wouldn't play that game. Same thing with movies, right? So you wouldn't watch a movie where it's just like, everyone's happy in the beginning and the movie goes on and everyone stays happy. And by the time it's over, everyone's still happy. You would be like, that was the worst movie I ever saw. What you want is you want this hero's journey where someone's, going through their life, something unexpected happens, this lightning strike moment, they get thrown into this torturous sort of struggle and suffering. And along the way, they are getting bumped around and they make choices and it gets worse. And then they make another choice and it gets even worse. But finally, they develop this insight that changes everything. It's the thing that goes, okay, I see now, you know, how I can make this matter and mean something. And this is the first sort of, I think, point here is that when you think about purpose and pain as purpose, most people go, well, everything happens for a reason. And I go, no, things happen, pain happens, and you choose a reason. You choose the reason. You are in control of that. You create the reason out of thin air. And from there, once you develop that insight, now you get to move forward as a different human being. But here's what happens. In this hero's journey, which we're all personally going through, we get caught in this sort of struggle. So when the lightning strike moment happens and this painful event happens and this change happens, we get thrown into this, you know, let's call it the pain vortex, right? You get thrown in here and it's suffer, struggle, suffer, struggle. And the degree to which you go blame, complain, blame, complain, wallow in wine, wallow in wine, hide and avoid, hide and avoid is the degree to which you will stay in that state. Some people stay in that state their entire lives. We all know people like this. We know our grandparents and parents and we know friends and family who something happened and we're just like, what the hell is wrong with them? They're just a miserable human being. And then we also know people who are the exact sort of opposite of this. And so how do you get over that sort of struggle, that suffering, that blame, that complain, that avoiding and that hiding. That is the point where it comes down to this idea of I have to create a reason. One of the stories I tell a lot of times in the United States back in the 1980s, some of you who are from the US in the 1980s will remember this. When I was drinking milk in the morning, I tell the story a lot, there would be missing kids printed on those milk cartons. And it wasn't, didn't dawn on me till later. I was like, how did those kids get on those milk cartons? That obviously takes a lot. You'd have to get in with the milk lobby. You'd probably have to talk to Congress and state legislatures. You'd have to do a lot to get them on there. And it turns out some woman lost her child, one of the biggest pains in the world, got kidnapped and murdered. And instead of wallowing and whining in it and blaming and complaining in it, she chose. She didn't say everything happens for a reason. She just said, I'm going to make this means something. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to save other kids so other parents don't have to deal with this same pain. And she did, you know, think about that. What would that take today, Luca, for you and I to like, just think about it. We want to get our picture. We want to like put, you know, missing kids on Coca-Cola cans all over the place. That, that would be, that's like monumental. You know, uh, it would be almost impossible to do that. Yet she achieved that because she had deep you know, sort of meaning and purpose behind what she was doing that came out of her struggle, that came out of the idea of not giving into the suffering and the whining and the sort of blaming and complaining. That's how powerful this is. But I will say one thing, because I know it bothers people, and I, wanna, I definitely want to get your take on this. What do we do, though, when we see somebody 
who's out there teaching and we just know they're faking it. We know they're not really an expert. We know they're just kind of making it up. We know they're doing it mainly for status and to be seen. And maybe even they're harming people in the process. So there's this kind of idea of the fake it until you make it sort of situation. And to me, this is, this is part of what happens when you go through these six powers, perception, ownership, wisdom, right? Right there, there's this idea where people have to understand what they know and what they don't know. And they also have to do it for the right reasons. I mean, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't watch much TV, but this is a long time ago. There used to be this show called uh, American Idol, I think. And they, people would get on this show and they'd get up and sing. And some of them could not sing worth anything. You're like, I can sing better than this person. And you, the thought in your head is, whoever told them that they could sing? right? Yet they think they're these amazing singers. And to me, this is what happens a lot with individuals when they go through this process that Luca and I are talking about. And here's how you know it's you, and it's something that you have to get over versus other people. When the patterns that are repeating happen to you again and again and again, then it's you. If everyone is telling you you can't sing, it's you. If everyone's telling you your breath stinks, it's you. It's not them. Now, if it's just one person, you know, your, your past relationship, it was just that one person that you had those issues with, then you could be pretty sure it's them, right? You could be like, that was their issue. But if you start getting patterns repeating again and again, this means you're in this pain vortex cycle and you can get stuck there your whole entire lives. And instead of faking it until you make it, you have to understand that you have to be it until you see it. And being it until you see it means I'm gonna be this thing whether or not people are watching or not. It's kind of like this. Let's take Luca. Let's take you for a minute. Like, let's say Luca's like, I want to open up my gym. I want to uh, uh, teach to people all over the world. I'm going to put this out there. And essentially what he does is he is not living this lifestyle when you're not watching. But when you are watching, he pretends he knows, right? He's never, he's, he doesn't read training books on his off hours. He's not into health and fitness on his off hours. He's not working out on his off hours either. But when he shows up on, you know, the video turns on, he acts like he knows. It would be within a few months, you would just be like, I don't know about this dude. First of all, he doesn't look fit. He doesn't seem to know what he's talking about. He, you would see him as a faker. The reason why Luca is being it until he sees it is because when you're not watching, that dude's reading. When you're not watching, that dude's training. If you're, whether he t ever turns on the camera or not, he is eating, living, breathing this thing. That's the difference. So it's not a fake it till you make it situation. It's a be it until you see it situation. And this makes all the difference in terms of how you deal with people. Wow. That's, that's a great, great point. And, um, I'm, I'm going to kind of, I guess, pick it because that is, you know, that is a question many times, right? Like, like the, the how do I change question? The how do I live into this identity that I, I want to live into? And um, I, I have a phrase that says just, you know, make sure your audio matches your video, which is the, the really is like what you do, what you say. Um, who is this? My buddy, Satema Gali, he, he's a great coach, speaker, former um, Super Bowl champion. And he said something to me about commitment. And I just always remembered it because like this really simple thing, right? Uh, to be committed is to do what you said you'd do, uh, do what is required. I think that one's really important. Do what's required, right? Because Jade, if you're like, I want to deadlift 500 pounds, uh, you, like there's a requirement for that. Like you might deadlift 200 
And if you want to come in once a week and train, that's not going to be enough. That's not what's required. And that's what I see a lot in this world right now where, you know, fill in the blank of what you want. You want, I want to get lean. I want to build a business. I want it right. There's, there's this want, but the actions, the required actions don't match that want, right. Or, or desire. So that was the second one. So it's do, um, do what you said you do, do what's required. And the third one is do it despite of your emotions, feelings, moods, and thoughts. Hmm, right? I love that dude. Because it, 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 I mean, you, you know, right. Like shit last night, I didn't want to fucking train. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I was like, Oh shit. Like that, my mood was I'm tired. My mood was, I don't feel like it, but if I always allow my thoughts to drive my, my then feelings and then my feelings drive my actions, that's going to create an identity. And guess what? How many times a day do you feel like tired or, you know, you don't feel like being nice to someone or opening the door for the person behind you, whatever else, right? Like all the time. So if you, if you let your, I would say thoughts and feelings drive your behaviors, you know what? You're not going to, you're not going to build the life that you want to build. That's, that's not going to happen. Dude, I love that thought so much because I have a thing and I might make some people mad with this, but I I can already tell that you're going to vibe with this based on what you said is, you know, to me, I'm a big self-development guy, personal development stuff. I I live in that world. I've been reading it since 18 years old. And I also, you know, love teaching the stuff. But to me, I go, your brain, this is just plain psychology. Your brain watches you. It watches you all the time. It watches and judges you the same way you watch and judge others. And so what it goes is it says, look, same way you go, look, talk is cheap. Put your money where your mouth is. These kinds of sayings. Your brain is saying the same thing to you. It's like, if I don't see you do it, I don't trust you. Then you're just a faker to me right? So it's, you have to show up and be the thing. And what's really interesting is that in psychology research, they call this the as if principle. There's actually a book written on it by one of my favorite psychologists. And the as if principle says that, yes, if you change your thoughts, it can potentially change your actions if you are really diligent and mindful. However, if you change your actions first, your thoughts and feelings get in alignment with that really quickly. This is one of the reasons why if I feel unsure and I feel insecure and I go into the gym and I lift some heavy weights, I come out of there immediately feeling more self-confident and it rolls over. If I say I'm going to do a thing. I have to do that thing because I know my brain is watching me. And so what you said just is so powerful, but I agree with you. Most people don't want to do that. And it does roll over into this whole thing of like, you know, just sit and think positive thoughts and it will show up. I don't think that that is true. I think more often you have to do the thing. Action is always required. And so I don't know why thought, obviously thought's important. I just don't know why thought has gotten so, um, you know, uh, so put up on a pedestal, because to me, thought without action is not really going to get you anywhere. Your thoughts have to translate into action. And to me, it's impossible to be doing the act and not thinking the thing. It is possible to be thinking the thing, but not doing the act. But it's not possible to to be doing the act and not thinking the thing. So to me, action is more powerful. And the other thing I'll say about emotions is emotions are meant to be felt. They're not meant to be lived. And from what I mean by that is that, yes, if you feel sad, if you feel anger, if you feel these things, I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel them. You should. It's kind of like cutting your, 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 finger, right? They are, they are basically directing you to pay attention to a thing, but then it's up to you to take action to 
overcome those things and realize if I'm living in sadness, if I'm living in fear, if I'm living in anxiety, it's because I am refusing to act. I always say anxiety, if you're someone who suffers from anxiety, now some people it is biochemical, but most people who suffer from anxiety, it's the inability to make a choice and act on that choice. People who suffer from depression, it's an inability to own a choice once that choice is made and to act again to fix it. So to me, it's always action is the way out. And this, by the way, in, that, in the six powers is the engage mm -hmm. and resolve process. It's basically like when in doubt, even when you are lost, take any action right now and you will oftentimes find your way out. Ain't that the truth, man? Because I, I know that my, my, the hardest times in my life, the way I overcame them and you mentioned this earlier is one is taking action, but two was serving, you know, like helping others. It's, it's the kind of number one healing, at least for me, it was one of the number one healing processes that I could, you know, put into play into my life. And, you know, here's, here's something that I, I wonder, um, with, and your thoughts about this, like I always, I always felt like, um, you know, self-esteem and confidence, I, the, the more you have, the easier it is for you to you know, do stuff and take on challenges and, you know, do something that maybe you're not as good as or take on like, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to achieve, you know, bigger goals. I always, you know, it's attached back to self-esteem, but I always thought that like self-esteem, if, if you say you're going to do something, so, hey, tomorrow morning, I'm going to go, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go for a run, right? Because I want to get in better shape. Um, probably running is not the best thing, but for, for, for the, for the purpose of this discussion, um, <laughs> And, you know, and I get up and it's like, oh, I'm tired. So I snooze, I snooze, I snooze, I don't go. Like now I got to go to work. Okay. But what I just did is I, I said, I'll do something. I didn't do it. And to me, I, like that's putting a debit in my self-esteem bank account. And the more debits that I put in there, like you go bankrupt with self-esteem, right? Like, I mean, essentially what you end up doing is like, now you have, you, you have nothing to take from. So it doesn't matter. Like you're so unconfident that you can't take on challenges. But if you do take, you know, action on what you said you do, not even me telling you, Jay, that I'm going to do something to myself and I take it, I put a credit in my, in my self-esteem bank account. And the more credits I stack, then even if somebody, something bad happens to me or I get embarrassed or I fail, it doesn't matter because I have enough self-esteem in my bank account to where that's not going to even affect it. And so what, what I feel for, because one of the things I asked was like, hey, how do you overcome pain? How do you overcome, you know, moving forward when you've been stuck? It, I think that part of the challenge is that people take on too big of a bite of, so for instance, like, hey, I've failed, you know, gaining and losing weight seven different times, but now I'm going to go hardcore train seven days a week. I'm going to go super long. You know, I'm going to take on this big challenge that's bigger than something that I can actually handle right now and fail again and then feel like a failure because I keep stacking those, you know, I would say those debits in my bank account going broke. But if I took a smaller chunk, and maybe not, not even calling it smaller, but more strategic and slowly start, because if you, if you build up wins, you feel successful. If you, you know, like if I do three, four things in a row, and I'm like, hey, I, I said I was going to do it, and I did it. Guess what? I, I'm on a roll. Now I'm feeling more confident, more confident, more confident, and I can take on bigger things as I build that bank account. Like, do you feel that that's something um, that is the key, or, or do you have a, a, maybe a different perspective around how do you get moving when you're stuck? How do you shift things when you feel low self-esteem? You know, how do you, how do you actually start achieving things that you haven't been able to achieve for a long time? Whatever that is, like whether that's, you know, 
weight loss, starting a business, uh, you know, building your career, building new skill sets. Yeah, man. I mean, I hate to keep agreeing with you so much, but we're so in alignment on all of this. We really are. To me, it is exactly that. And I came to that, you know, when I first started out and I'm almost embarrassed now. I mean, well, I am embarrassed to say it, but when I first started out as a naturopathic physician, I remember sitting down with my uh, clients and giving them 10 supplements, a brand new diet, you know, they, they went, they were supposed to go from eating, you know, regular American food to, you know, basically eating organic kale and wild caught salmon, you know what I mean? Like, it, it was, it's just ridiculous. That's not how we humans work. And in the same way, our friend, when our friend comes up to us, say, hey, Luca, Jade, I'm, I'm going on a diet, me and you look at each other and roll our eyes, because that friend has said that to us a million times, your brain is doing that to you. And so to Luca's point, in psychology, what you need to do is you need to give yourself these small little wins. It's one of the reasons why in, you know, like even in the military, right? I wasn't in the military, you were, but they, they build this in. You make your bed, you, 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 you do things every single morning. You get into these routines and they sort of build um, on each other. It's absolutely crucial. And so now the way I would do this is to me, I would say, what is the thing that you will do? And this goes into motivational interviewing 101, anyone who's into psychology. It's like, you know, the basics that I give people, I'm like, you don't go from a couch potato to an, an elite athlete. First thing I want you to do is just get on a walking regimen, just become more of a mover than a sitter. As simple as that. Do that. Once you're moving every day, then maybe we're going to take, you know, deal with some of the food things and some of the other things. It has to go slow. And by the way, one of the most well-researched in all areas in psychology is something called cognitive behavioral therapy. And basically all this is, is essentially putting yourself in fearful, anxious situations, dipping your toe in the water, not jumping fully in and seeing, oh, that wasn't so bad. And then doing it again. This is known as exposure therapy. It's so powerful. They've taken people who are afraid of spiders and things like that. And within three hours, they go from having these tarantulas, people being terrified of spiders, and then basically people voluntarily holding tarantulas. And the way they do it is they first say, here, watch this movie about spiders. Here, let's bring you into a room with a spider behind the aquarium, right? Two, let's put your hand on the aquarium while the spider's behind the glass, Three, let's have you hold a stick and touch the spider with a stick, right? And what happens is people go, that's not so bad. That's not, the spider didn't jump up and eat my face or anything. And next thing you know, they're not nearly as afraid of spiders. And so this to me is a principle in sort of life. I referred to it before as easy is earned. One of the things I even do it, Luca, it's funny, like now, right? You know, it's like, I want to go into the gym and I want to be able to do what I did when I was 35, you know, I'm 45, I'm 46 now. I can't do that stuff anymore. And certainly I have to build up to it if I'm going to. I probably could, but if I'm going to do it, I can't do what I sometimes do, which is like, I'm going to go in there and throw, you know, 405 and try to warm up with 405 on a back squat. I just can't do that anymore, right? I haven't been training to that degree and my joints aren't the same anymore. So I have to ease into that. One of the things I'm dealing with right now is some shoulder issues. And today in my shoulder workout, I'm using, I'm doing 90, you know, 90 pound barbell, 95 pound barbell presses when, you know, I used to be doing 225, but that's sometimes what you have to do because my brain, I know that I'm like, I just got to show up and do this and get my shoulders used 
to this again, and then I can bring it forward. One of the things, if you want to know how to do this in your personal development, I call it the fear PR. You know, like Luca and I are in the world of strength and conditioning. Many of you were probably listening to this R2. The fear PR essentially says, it's like the PR in the gym, a personal record. It's like, okay, if I can, if I, if I can deadlift 500 pounds, I'm going to try to get my PR at 510 or whatever, right? Well, same with your, your sort of life. If you have something where you're like, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm afraid of having this conversation with my mom because we've always had a bad relationship, then you set small increments. Just call her and say hi without any expectations. And then the next one is like call her and say hi and say, hey, how's dad doing? And then slowly, but then, then go over you know, to the house and just sit and talk. You know, don't, don't get in any, any discussions. Then next thing you know, you know, Three months later, you and your mom are having one of the most meaningful conversations of your life and a very healing conversation. But instead, what happens is you try to do it all on Thanksgiving and everything blows up, right? So you have to do these things in small increments. One of my fears is, uh, was flying. So what did I do? One of the things that I did is I first did some research on all the noises in flying. I started taking you know, small little flights. Uh, then I took more flights. And then finally, as my final fear PR, I took a long flight over the Atlantic. And now I'm no longer afraid of flying. I'm trying to do the same thing now with oceans and sharks. And so you start small and you build these increments in and expose yourself to this fear in what's called exposure therapy. Again, it's very much like the theme of what Luke and I have been talking about, which is gamification. So what you can do is say, where do I want to get to in anything, whether it's health, whether it's fitness, whether it's sport, whether it's relationships with a significant other or someone like that, whether it's money, and you say, what are the small steps that I need to learn to get there? Like in money, it would be like, okay, I need to learn how internet business works. And there's steps to that. I need to, you know, take a risk and invest in myself. Then I need to learn how to save money. I need to learn how to manage money. And slowly but surely, easy as earned. You don't just roll into Wall Street and start betting on stocks. It doesn't work that way. This, as you know, as you started with the uh, exposure therapy, and it's, it's interesting. I don't even know when I read it, but it was your post. And I, and I loved it because it said, um, you know, nobody's gotten less afraid by avoiding their fears. And like ever, yeah, <laughs> like ever, exactly. that's just, ever, exactly. uh, and I can't remember, but, but there was definitely, it was, it was a post that you wrote. It was a great post, but I, you know, I, I like the way that you did that as far as, man, it just goes for everything. Like creating some exposure, no matter where you're at of something that's uncomfortable, whether it's food, whether it's, Hey, I don't have any savings. Okay, cool. We'll make sure there's an automatic withdrawal of 50 bucks, a hundred bucks a month, right? It's not a lot, but guess what? You're doing it right. And then you build it up in every single area. And I think that people get kind of, uh, I think the, the embarrassment, you got to get over the embarrassment. It's really not an embarrassment, but like, oh, this is too small, right? I actually was reading, oh man, whose who's book was it? It's called The Catalyst from the same guy that wrote uh, Contagious. And it talks about endowment, right? That we, we get so bought into things, right? That we have, we're so comfortable with them that we won't take a bigger step unless the reward is big enough right? We, we, won't, we won't do it for like 10% gain, right? And, but we'll do it for 260% gain. Okay, cool. Now, now I'll go and take the risk, right? But it creates this failure loop a lot of times. It's a very, you know, that's why human, I love human psychology because it's like, we're so fucking irrational. <laughs> Which we really are. We're so irrational. But, but, but I think that's, that is the secret, right? Because, and then, you know, it's that same, uh, you probably heard about studies when they asked people, 
hey, how much would you, you know, pay for this coffee mug? And the average was like 275. But as soon as they owned the coffee cup, like the average of what they'd sell it for was seven. Same fucking coffee cup, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's endowment, like, oh, it's mine now. I bought into it. And the longer, the longer that you um, are in the same situation or that you own something the more you feel it's worth, the value is bigger. And, I, and it's even the situation that you're in, right? You value the comfort, even though you don't like, you, you're like, I don't like this. I want to change. You're so bought into it that you want a bigger return. Now, hopefully me sharing that example was actually a lesson of why that's bullshit. And you got to take smaller, you know, I mean, you got to either find leverage points or you have to understand that like the compounding interest of, smaller strategic steps and how they can make massive change in your life. Yeah. You know, the Stoics had a way to figure this out and it, it goes to in, in my six power principles, this is the perception principle. They have this whole idea that they, they teach you to get over that. And it's basically to this idea that everything in life, everything in life, the people you love, your health, all of this kind of stuff, it's on loan. It's on loan. You don't own it. It can be taken away from you. And so what a lot of the Stoic philosophers did back in the day is they would expose themselves to loss. They would practice poverty. Some of the, some of the high-end coaching I do, and some of these guys and girls are great, you know, sort of these high-end business execs that I'll work with sometimes, I'll have them say, all right, this weekend, you're gonna, we work up to this because it's a fear PR. You're going out on the street. You're going to live as a homeless person this weekend. And they do. And they go out and do, do these exercises to expose themselves to this idea that I could lose everything. You know what they also find in that is that they also find that there's people who, you know, they, they might see, be seen as the lowest rung in society, but you put yourself in the right environment. Those are the people that know the, what you need to know to get through the night, right? Or whatever. And so it's a really interesting sort of way to do this. If you want to get over this endowment or I'm special type of thing or, you know, this sort of overvaluing things, what you do is you start saying, you know what, um, I don't get to have this. It is on loan. My health is not guaranteed. Another one of the principles um, that I have is, you know, I have on my chest memento mori, which is a stoic a saying for remember mm -hmm. death and it is kind of morbid but it's really what all it says is that hey jade you don't get to have all this stuff that you have forever if it, you know you may lose it tomorrow you may die in 15 minutes walking out on the street and so don't take yourself so seriously and don't over sort of value things too much work as hard as you can be ready for things to go well be ready for things to go bad, but set a plan as Luca was talking about. And I was talking about, I do have a plan of moving forward. I have this sort of stepwise process, but I'm also, and this is what this teaches you. I'm also not that attached to it. I just know here's my end goal in sight. And I may take a lot of detours to get there, but I'm going to get there. And this is part of the attitude that you have to have. Man, you know what? It's, it's <laughs> We had a, our, our, our company, our consulting company, we made these hoodies and Memento Mori was on the back because I love that so much. I actually got a whole bunch of scheduled tattoos coming up. <laughs> I love That's going to be one of them. Um, man, see, I, I, I knew that if we start this conversation, we'd never get to the other stuff. And I am absolutely, completely, 100% good with it because this has been phenomenal. And uh, I'm, I'm, like, I'm going to kind of bug you to, to come back so that we can do uh, the, the body part, because I feel like it would be, uh, 
let, let's just say we wouldn't squeeze the juice out of the orange if we if we try to speed <laughs> it up and cut it short. So if you're good with coming back and, and doing another one, I'd uh, I'd definitely love that, man. Because this has been fantastic. I, I feel like it was uh, somewhat of a playbook to uh, for principles of life and, and how to conquer hard, challenging times and live your best life. Honestly, man. Yeah, um, man. I, I of course you're such a genius, brother. It's like it's my pleasure, and I really would love to have you on my show as well. So let's get three in the books, man. Because it's just it's uh I just learn a ton from you, and and so appreciate you, man. Absolutely, man. It, it's it, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And um, please let people know where they can find out more about you. Uh, I mean, definitely, like I'm always, you know, anytime I have anybody on a show that I really respect, like get all, you know, get all their stuff, buy all their courses, every book, but share what's the most important things that you'd like to lead people to. Yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, Luca, I'm like you, man, I'm hanging out teaching on Instagram all of the time. And I'm one of these people like right now in my life, things are just fantastic. And so I'm happy to just say, hey, follow me at jtita.com. DM me. I do my best to answer the DMs. I know, Luca, you probably get a ton too, but I do try to go in and answer those from people the best I can and jadetita.com and just take a look around. But I'm just happy um, to uh, sort of make everyone's acquaintance and definitely come say hi to me on Instagram. I hang out a lot there. Perfect, man. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody is tuning in. Thank you guys. Love and appreciate you. I always say, man, you could be anywhere else, but you're here tuning in to us. I really... You got a lot out of this. And as always, you know, if, if something kicked you kind of in, in the proverbial butt or say hit you in the gut, make sure you do something. You know, my, one of my biggest things is when you listen to the episodes of the podcast is, you know, you're like, oh, that was a great episode. Okay, cool. Do something. Just one thing. Just do one thing. Because every time you listen to it, if you do one thing from it, you're going to move your life forward. You're going to move your health forward. You're going to move your relationship forward. And that's the key momentum. So please do that. As always, hey, share this. If you loved it, you know, go into the reviews, uh, put, a, put a comment, give it some honest feedback. Really appreciate it. And I will see you. I always say see you, but man, you're going to hear me in the next Bigger Life podcast. Coach Luca's out. Peace.